This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Cruise Control. My name is Ali Johan. Tonight, I am joined as ever by Mr. Daniel Fernandez, Automotive Specialist. Welcome, Daniel. Good evening. Thank you for still listening in everybody. And uh, I think Richard is not with us today. Eh? Yes, it's the two of us tonight. Richard has some technical difficulties that he cannot get out of. So we hope it is all sorted out. As usual, we have a show in three parts. We've got some local launches and what to get excited about. As well as a discussion about what's been happening to Carsum. And in the third part, a review of the all-new Honda HRV 1.5 Turbo V-Spec. But first... Some news. This week, Kia, they just announced one of their flagship SUVs, the Sorento, assembled in Malaysia. Fourth generation Sorento and the CKD version, hopefully by early next year, as announced by Kia Malaysia. So this is great news because, you know, the previous Sorento, okay, it sold pretty decently. Kia was in a transition from the previous distributor to this new distributor. So now, after the successful launch of the Kia Carnival CBU and then came the Kia Carnival CKD. It looks like Kia is confident that they're back in Malaysia with some strength. And so the Sorento, not the Sportage, the Sorento, which is the bigger version, the seven-seater, is going to be local assembled. Now, this vehicle, I mean, you look at the pictures, it's a handsome-looking SUV, it right? It is. And it's got a lot of that Kia Carnival nose features, you know? Streamlined lights, big grille, the new Kia logo on it. But the thing is, it's the inside that really tickles me. I looked at the inside of this vehicle, I mean, in terms of pictures, and it is premium. It looks very, very premium. In fact, it can compete with the Germans side by side. If you take out the badge, you will not know that it's a, it's a Kia and it's a, it's a Korean vehicle. Hmm. It could pass off as an Audi. You're right. It could pass off as an Audi. And that's what people have been saying for many years because the former designer of Audi is actually working for Kia. Oh, that makes perfect sense now. And as I understand, the new Sorento is built on a larger platform. So it is slightly bigger, longer, definitely more spacious by the looks of the photos. We have not seen it in person yet. It has been launched overseas for about a year now. And the thing is, do you know it's also wider? So parking it in our normal car park spaces, like the Carnival, is going to be a really tight squeeze. Might be a problem. I hear there are a few models and versions and the ones that were sold here, we had a diesel engine version. That's probably the first ones that we're going to get in this country. Am I right in thinking that? Okay, here is where you heard it here first. (laughs) And I'm guessing they're going to launch the diesel. Why? Because this model comes with a big CC petrol and, you know, big CC petrol engines never work in this country, especially in in this segment. Second, they have a plug-in hybrid. And, you know, plug-in hybrids are getting expensive. They are not extremely reliable, you know, when you when you have two systems working because you've got the battery system and then you've got the engine trying to work. You know, they're trying to marry two different drive systems. And, you know, everybody has had problems with plug-in hybrids. So, I think, this is my guess, they're mm. going to bring in the diesel. And why the diesel? Because the new Kias are using the smart stream diesel technology, which they share with Hyundai because Hyundai is their parent. Right. And it's also the same diesel engine we've seen in the successful Kia Carnival. So since that, I think that the diesel will come in with 202 PS. Doesn't sound a lot, but 440 Newton meters of torque. And this means this car can shift 
fast on the highway. So with seven seater, I don't think there's any problem because we've driven the Carnival and we found it ample power coming from it. So price wise is the next question people are going to ask. Yes. This is a hard thing to guess, but I'm putting at a price of about 228,000 ringgit. It's probably going to be a little bit more, but I'm thinking 228,000 ringgit. It right. can't be a lot cheaper because you know why? This is a uh, seven-seater SUV. And if you think about it, the previous Carnival was almost 200,000 ringgit. Yeah. So now with you know a bigger vehicle, more features, better safety, more tech, it can't be cheaper, my friend. Mm, right. So apparently the earliest deliveries for the Kia Sorento fourth generation, we will see by early 2023. So it remains to be seen. And we're looking forward to the launch. It looks great. I can't wait. And we'll see if we get the plug-in hybrid as well. But we doubt it, right? Doubt it. I really doubt it. Yeah. Also, um, another news. We're looking forward to the launch of Audi's RS3 sedan this week. Um, you know, we just recently spoke about the RS5 Sportback and here comes a sedan version of the RS line to our local market. You see, some of you might remember, some of you might not, but I'll just refresh your memory. Some years ago, when Audi Malaysia was still operating in, in this country, I mentioned to them, I said, why don't you bring in the RS models? And they said, oh, it's going to be too expensive. You know, you know I don't think Malaysians will buy a lot. And in my mind, I said, you know, it's not about selling large numbers. I said, it's about having a hero vehicle in your showroom. Imagine every Audi showroom having a couple of RS models. You know, people come in, they get excited and say, oh, no, I can't afford it, but I'll buy the lesser model. Because every single RS model has a basic version of it. But Audi Malaysia was too conservative. They said, mm, no, you know. And then, of course, after some time, they closed office. Now they've reopened under the same people who do uh, Volkswagen in Malaysia. They are operating it. And they have woken up to the fact that you need RS cars in Malaysia, whether you sell a large quantity or not. So that's why the Q8 RS came in, the Sportback RS came in. This week, it's going to be the RS3 sedan. And the RS3 sedan is actually a small, compact sedan. It's, it's about the size of, a, of an A-class sedan or even a BMW 2 Series. Ah, you know? right. Slightly smaller than the current Honda Civic, actually. Right. So the RS3 sedan is packing a lot of power. I mean... This car, first of all, the engine is a 2.5 liter engine. This engine has won many awards. And on top of that, this engine has got a 0 to 100 acceleration time of 3.8 seconds, you know? Wow. That's just insane power delivery in a sedan. It's got 400 PS, 500 Newton meters of torque. You know, the top speed in the dynamic package version, which I think Malaysia will get sooner or later. Mm. Top speed is 300 kilometers an hour. There's no way you can test this, but you know, they, they give it to you. So this is a very special car, very intimidating to look at, you know, and you know, it's got wide arches, it's got aggressive stance, big wheels, you know, Recaro seats in front. Well, it's a race car, basically. I had a look at the RS5 Sportback and I thought it looked really good for a big right. sedan, like a family sedan. But the standard version of the RS has a limited speed of 155 miles per hour only. But then... Right you have the dynamic package which can take it much faster. Yes. Why do they cap the speed? Well, they cap the speed because you know why? In certain countries, you can't go very fast. Like Malaysia, you know, you can't go very fast. Mm. But there are always people who want to go in tune and you know, uh, what they call, you know, uh, how you call a you know, piggyback, the ECU and all that. So instead of getting people to do all this, I would say, dangerous maneuvers on your electronics, which can affect your warranty, Audi is saying, okay, listen, we give you RS car. Standard, this is what you get. If you think it's not enough, instead of you going to an outside vendor to get all this piggybacking done, we will give it to you. 
for mm. a price we'll give it to you and then your warranty is still in place so it makes a lot of sense interesting and this car uh, you know they haven't given a price yet i'm guessing guessing yeah. eh yeah. guessing eh okay i'm thinking about 788000 now the price in uk with the tax and everything it's about a bit cheaper than this but i think you know they are going to give you a really special car and they're going to price it a little bit higher and a lot of people are going to say hey you know the amg version or something like this is cheaper the m bmw m version or something like this is cheaper but then you have to turn around and tell these people rs cars are not for common rich people <laughs> if that makes sense right it's a next level it's, kind of luxury it's, it's a really special driver that really wants an rs car i mean there are a lot of rs cars coming in with grey importers so i think what Uh, the local office has done is good because you bring in these RS cars it's brand new you offer a warranty you offer after sales why not right and this car comes with 19 inch alloy wheels climatized front sport seats as well as a uh, dual zone climate control cruise control and the rest are all the standard top level technology for a car like this from the RS line so looking forward to seeing the Audi RS3 sedan on Malaysian roads we'll see if anyone will fork out 788000 for it There should be one. I think there will be a dozen, easily a dozen. <laughs> okay, moving on now. In July this year, we reported that Chinese automotive company BYD had struck a distribution deal with Saimdabi Motors Malaysia. BYD is the world's leading manufacturer of new energy vehicles. Now, we got word that BYD's electric MPV, which is called the E6, is set to arrive in the local market. Sam Dabi when they did the signing ceremony just a few days before before we wrote this article they mm. said they will bring in two models which is the E6 and MPV and also they want to bring in the Ato 3 the Ato 3 ATTO 3 is basically a compact hatchback something like say Golf GTI size you know right so BYD world's biggest battery maker and then they went into you know electric car batteries and then they decided hey if you're making electric car batteries which is the primary drive train let's make the car you know so they started making cars and they were doing really well and they expanded their range now this E6 is actually the second generation like i said earlier the first generation looked a little bit dumpy a little bit boring but it was you know 7 8 years old now comes the the second generation the first generation was already running as a taxi in singapore Oh, if you go by the reports in Singapore because Singapore they, they embraced electrification years ago. Yeah. It's been running well, quite efficient. Uh yes, the battery power wasn't that good, you know, this is a few years ago. Now comes the E6 with much better battery. It's got the new blade system battery. So it's a 71.7 kilowatt battery system mounted on an electric motor, a single electric motor. Now it's got 94 brake horsepower, which is not great. Okay, it's not great. Right. 180 newton meters of torque. Now remember this. This is not an electric car for you to talk about 0 to 100 acceleration, talk about how fast you can go, how fast you can take a corner, all that. This is a family vehicle with as much driving distance as possible and reliable driving distance. So BYD is making this as a family vehicle. And you see, if you want to make if you want to get a really powerful battery and a fast battery and a fast motor and everything else, you're just going to increase the cost of the car. With this, they're trying to make it affordable, affordable to a mass market. As we all know, electric cars are expensive. So, with Saimdabi bringing in this vehicle, I'm thinking they are they are going to hit the bottom rung of the electric car market and say, "Now I've got something which middle class Malaysians can afford, and it's a family vehicle." So, driving distance is about 520 kilometers 
per charge. Now, with a fast charger, you can charge it from 20% to 80%. It's just like a handphone. When you charge your handphone from 20% to 80%, it's very fast. So, this one will charge in about 40 minutes, okay? Which is still going to be painful for some people. Now, if you want to go 100% charge, it takes 90 minutes. That's why the big difference in the last 20%. Now, if you do it at, at home, okay, mm. and you charge through your wall plug and everything else, it'll take about 12 hours, which is fine to do overnight. You know, you come back from work, 7, 8 o'clock, you're having dinner, you charge your, your car. Morning, you wake up at 7 o'clock, you're about to go to work, the car is fully charged. Fully charged right? and it can drive you up to 522 kilometers. Yes. So you're not going to charge it every day. You're going to probably charge it once a week or at best twice a week. Yes, that's right. So that is the BYD's E6 electric MPV. It looks really good. I mean, the colour that they've uh, put up here. The uh, blue. Yes, the blue on the website. That looks really good. I think it gives off a mini version of the Kia Carnival kind of shape and also yes, length. Yes. Uh, and let's see if we get it here. But for 128000 it's still kind of steep. Well, that's my guess. My mm. guess is based on, you know, because electric cars have no tax, right? So I'm guessing the price, because this car is also, this MPV is also launched in, in Singapore. It's also launched in Australia. Right-hand drive version, that means no issue. I've taken the price with Singapore without the COE, with with, uh, with Australia minus the additional shipping costs. Mm. Because Australia is further, there's more shipping costs. And, you know, when I did the conversion, it's about 110,000, 115,000 ringgit. So I'm rounding it up. 128888, you know, that's my guess for the BYD E6 electric MPV. Now, just quickly, on the business side of the automotive world, since we're talking about uh, Chinese company BYD, we're going to jump to another Chinese corporation, which is Geely. Geely Holding just acquired 7.6% of Aston Martin Lagonda Global Holdings. I think it's great news because you know why? Geely's just been buying, 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 okay? <laughs> now, if they've taken Aston Martin shares, and you know, Aston Martin also has partnership with Mercedes-Benz, right? Mercedes-Benz supplies them engines, AMG engines for their performance vehicles. There's been a lot of collaboration before. Aston Martin is in F1. Aston Martin is a very iconic brand. I think Geely is trying to tell the world, hey, listen, you know, you conquered us a long time ago. Now we conquer you in the automotive market, you know? <laughs> so and they're doing it very subtly. I mean, that's a small percentage, but you know, they, they could increase it as, as time goes by because they're cash rich. All their brands are making money. You know, they've got Lotus. You know, Lotus is just just coming to Malaysia. Mm. Uh, the new cars are coming in very soon. So, in terms of the performance market, there's a lot of excitement because why? If somebody like Geely can one day own a, a bigger chunk of Aston Martin, I'm just putting it out there. Imagine taking the whole production to China and I might be able to afford a brand new Aston Martin one day. Who knows, right? Now, Geely already owns uh, brands such as Volvo, Lotus, Smart and Proton and now they've added Aston Martin to their ranks as well and we'll yes. see if we can see more Aston Martins maybe made in China maybe not hand-built in Great Britain but maybe more affordable right? Yes maybe a, you know a, a middle class version Aston Martin a nice little four-door sedan with that you know that beautiful badge on it you know maybe Right that has been the news for this week on Cruise Control uh, we're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to look at what's happening to Kasem this is Cruise Control BFM 89.9 BFM 89.9 is Cruise Control. Thanks for sticking with us. This is Ali Johar tonight with Daniel Fernandez. And now in part two, we are going to find out about secondhand car dealer Kasem and what's been happening to them 
Right, Kasim has grown huge, and I and I got to say this that before anyone starts calling and, and screaming, yeah, I think Kasim did a great job to our used car market. Okay, hmm. first of all, they 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 made it more transparent. They made buying a used car much easier. They made buying a used car for someone who doesn't know anything about cars, whether it's old, young, easier, legal. Right, much cleaner, much more approachable, you know. And they made it, you know, no more bawa poko, zing roof, you know. <laughs> and because of that, other players came into the market. Other players like Maituka, Charika. These are all new players coming to the market. I even recently saw an advert for Solka. Uh, you know, startups that think they can, you know, make it easier for people to trust used car dealers. You know what I mean? Right. Because before this, everybody was so scared about used car dealers. So they made it. They they started something six seven years ago, which was great. The only thing is they grew and grew and grew, and for for some time I was trying to figure out how are these guys making money because they have these fancy showrooms, they have a lot of staff, they have a lot of branding, and they pay really good prices for used cars. I mean, over the years. I've recommended people very simple when they're buying or selling a used car, especially those who were selling and those who are not really tech savvy. They say, "Oh, you know, the used car dealer offered me X amount of dollars." I say, "Hey, listen, there's a there's a there's a website called Carson. There's a website called MyTuka. There's a web, website called Auto Selection. Why didn't you go and ask them how much they'll offer you for a car?" Now, most of the time, most of the time, Carson was giving the better price, right? And people come back. Very seldom the others will give a better price, but most of the time they were winning on the price, and then people were selling, selling, selling. And then when people wanted to buy cars, they said, "Hey, I'm getting this car. Go warranty. The car's been touched up. Hey, all this is good news for the used car market and the used car buyer." But then, where's the profit? You know what I mean? Hmm. Now at the same time, not so good news. They closed down a lot of used car dealer, lah. You know, right? All the little backyard used car dealer, the bar poko, the zinc roof, all slowly, slowly to top, lah. Mm. Some are still surviving, of course, because Kasim doesn't take very old cars, just like my Tuka and Charika. So now, what happens is, they realized that they needed to grow, and they wanted to grow really big for IPO listing and everything else, which has been delayed mm-hmm. because of the world economy, or maybe because of what they're experiencing internally. They even went and bought a couple of. My competitors, I would say, car news websites, and these car news websites were not making money. They were just, you know, just plodding along. But they bought them because why? They wanted to grow, 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 grow. Now they grew, and now comes news, which was first reported by a Chinese newspaper and then reported by some tech uh, website. So we double checked, and it was true. Ten percent of their staff were laid off just a few days ago. Now I hear more are getting laid off. In the coming weeks, now this only means one thing. Finally, it's hit a plateau. I mean, how much can you keep losing? You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're, you're spending. You're doing a good job. You're improving the market. You're giving confidence in used car purchase. I I know people who've bought used cars from them are very happy. You know. Yeah. And even though they might have paid, you know, I would say market price, but they got more than what they bargained for. And then, like I said, people who sold cars got a much better price. The news comes as quite a surprise to a lot of people in the automotive industry for a brand that's made a presence in the local market. So, ten percent of the staff had to leave. Now I hear more about to leave. And you know, when you, when you talk about this, this is like the car, the house of cards is just collapsing slowly. You know, and I think it's 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 sad because they started this whole new generation of used car dealerships, and now the 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 comp the competition is going to benefit from this. How so? 
Because they've also bettered themselves, like I mentioned earlier. Mm. And then because they've bettered themselves, if one big player starts collapsing, they now can now take over some of the market share yeah. without having to spend so much money on branding and, you know, football legends and, you know, influencers. But now, because they couldn't go for listing, this is why the house of cards are slowly falling. Right. You know? So you don't see this as a blip. This looks like it's heading to a sad ending. I don't think it'll end. I think they'll just, you know, potter along and just try to survive. But I think a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. A lot of salaries are going to get cut because then there's going to be a realization. And then, you know, the websites that they bought, there's no reason to keep them anymore. Mm. You know, which is good for me. La. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And that's where we are right now. Uh, on Cruise Control tonight, we've been talking about Qasem and what's been happening to them uh, as right. the news this week uh, about them confirming a sizable staff cut. About 10% of their staff are being laid off already. When we come back, we have a review, a car review of the Honda HRV 1.5 Turbo V-Spec. Right here on Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. FM 89.9 is Cruise Control. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm Ali Johan tonight with Daniel Fernandez. Richard is not around. He's got some technical issues and that means he's going to miss this review of the new Honda HRV 1.5 liter turbo V-Spec. Daniel. Okay, so we know that HRV has been around for a couple of months now. It's it's boom, selling beyond belief. And I use the word beyond belief because even I can't believe how Malaysians have just I mean, it's a nice looking vehicle, but I just can't believe the number of Malaysians who want to buy this car. I mean, when I saw the booking numbers, I was like, are you sure? Are you really sure this many Malaysians bought a car at a time when the economy is not doing that well? Hmm. And, you know, our currency is, you know, it's shaky. But anyway, this is the new Honda HRV, Completely new Ford generation. There's nothing borrowed or shared with the previous generation and the previous generation just for shakes and giggles let me share with you some information 111,000 units were sold wow 111,000 units in seven years that's just mind-blowing and you must understand this is not a national car so there are so many on the road so i thought to myself why is the new hrv getting so many bookings i'll share the bookings number very soon why and i thought to myself this is the only reason so many previous owners. Imagine you bought this car six, seven years ago, the third generation, right? Yeah. And it was doing so well. You say, hey, now i got a new model. I want to upgrade, lah. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is why you also see a lot of the older HRVs starting to appear in the used car market. So it's good. So this new HRV, to date, already nearing 31,000 bookings. Now imagine this, huh? It took seven years for the older model to reach 111,000 bookings. This one, in less than three months, 31,000 bookings. Can you imagine in five years when this model gets changed, what kind of sales numbers it would have? Probably 140, 150,000. I mean, it'll, it'll taper off as, as time goes by, but still, it is doing really well. Now, here's the best part. Four variants are available. A standard 1.5. Two 1.5 turbos. And, and why is it two 1.5 turbos? One is a slightly lower spec. One is a higher spec called the V-spec. Right. And, the, and, and the difference between these two versions are 
just 5000 ringgit it's just you know small things that that vary and then there's the hybrid version the ehev which is much more expensive at 140000 this turbo version is 134800 now if you are into you know saving fuel electrification and you're thinking yes i want to go into the direction you will look at the ehev which is just 5000 ordering it more yeah. but if you're thinking no i just want power i just want 1.5 turbo because it's the same power plant as as you find in the um honda civic right. you know hmm. so you may think oh i want that kind of power i want you know so this is what you look for so this is why right now more than 70% of the bookings of that large number of bookings is for this turbo v spec interesting right so a lot of malaysians have said hey between the lower variant and this variant i pay la you know seven year loan eight year loan nine year loan i just pay la i take this one but electrification people need to think about it should i go in the direction am i ready for this you know yeah. so hrv turbo v spec we took a test drive all the way to kuala terengganu and this was just last week so what happened is we picked up the car it was a group test drive they drove us up to jandabai first through the back roads through the old roads you know to the little curves a little bit of highway but to get a feel of the handling to get a feel of the you know how how good the mid range torque is pick up there's that everything else we did all that it was fun nice and then we had lunch and then we drove up to kuantan and we stayed a night in kuantan because it was quite a long drive when you take all the old roads now the next day we went to kuala terengganu and we stayed a night in kuala terengganu so they wanted us to get a nice feel of this vehicle now i got to say this number one, this new hrv the shape is totally different it's not angular it's very rounded so if you actually look at it from behind like you know we were following some some other units yeah it sort of looks very european you know I could vaguely say that it's the rear end of a Porsche Macan or an X4 BMW. Yeah, yeah, a smaller version. You know that coupe, sports coupe SUV look. You know, then you got a nice bottom diffuser. Now it's got large wheels, so it sits very nicely on the road. It actually sits almost looking like a large SUV. It's only when you park it next to another vehicle, you notice it's not very big actually. It's about the same size as the old HRV. It's not a huge vehicle, but when you see it. by itself like you, if you seen in the picture you'll think hey this is a big vehicle you know hmm so it's not as big as a Porsche Macan it's about it's not even as big as a Honda CRV you know right so it's a compact vehicle it's nice it's cute and i think it it appeals if you get up and close person it appeals to a lot of single people it appeals to a lot of young families you know if your husband and wife you just got a young kid why not two kids why not it fit in perfectly and the rear seat is almost like two seats so it's got a little sporty edge on it you know mm. how did it fare on the highways and the trunk roads well i'll tell you this hondas even from before the honda jazz the honda fits they all drive very well on the highways especially something like this with nice big 18 inch wheels white tires planted suspension and it's got drive mode also so it drove very well and we we didn't take it too fast because you didn't want to break any rules right. but on the back roads it handled nicely it was very composed it didn't judder around it didn't toss because we had three people in the car at one point i was sitting at the back it didn't toss me around uh, of course i'm using my seat belt so i felt secure and also because i like i said you know the rear seat is got like two individual almost like individual seats right so it's a nice vehicle well rounded i love the design because this is one of those designs that will last for another 6 7 8 9 years 
Yeah, and you know, with these kind of compact SUVs, one of the main considerations will always be the boot space. Okay, so you see, the previous HRV was angular; it was taller. Mm. Okay, it, you know, you could you could you could plant a bigger suitcase in the back. Now with this, you can't plant a tall suitcase. So maybe there's slightly less, uh, you know, luggage room, but it's also a little bit wider. And you see, there's no intrusion of the wheel well in the back so much. So you can fit quite a bit of stuff. We had luggage for three people in the back. Everything was in the back and it didn't go above the headrest. So it was all below the headrest. So when you look at the back, you don't see luggage sticking up, right? So that's pretty good. Now, the next thing is the front seats. Okay, you look at the size of the vehicle, you think, okay, a tall guy won't fit at the back. We had two tall guys sitting in front. Sorry, we had one tall guy and one short guy sitting in front. Short guy being me. We had another tall guy sitting at the back. No issue with legroom, no issue with headroom. So it's surprisingly roomy despite that 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 curvaceous coupe-like shape. You understand what I mean? Yeah, the top end towards the back. Looks yes. like it's been cut off a little bit compared to the old one. So space-wise, not an issue. And I think a lot of people now are looking for more compact-looking vehicles rather than large vehicles, okay? Mm. Now, I'm going to share with you what I did not like about this vehicle. Right. The first thing I did not like is the center infotainment system. Easy to use, nice to look at, but it just, it's just sitting out there, you know? Mm. I would have thought, you know, at least incorporate it below into the dashboard and everything else. Uh, that is something which a lot of manufacturers do, which I find a little dis- disappointing because why? Ergonomics, I can understand some people love to see that big, you know, screen in front there. But, you know, I think it should be part of the dashboard, part of the cockpit uh, structure. Oh, I see what you mean. It's planted like you can take it off. Exactly. If you could take it off, then fine. You know, it could be something like you could click on, click off. But a lot of car manufacturers are doing this and I don't understand why. This is just me. I just mm-hmm. don't understand why. I like to have something that's nice, flowing, incorporated into the dashboard. Okay? So that's just me. Number two, it did not have a sunroof. Now, I know sunroofs, a lot of people don't like them. But I think it adds a sense of premiumness to a vehicle, you know? I'm not talking about a glass sunroof. I'm talking about a metal sunroof, something which you can slide and open. I think having that would just give this a more European, more, you know, even if you charge, charge a little bit of money, I think it's fine. People will pay, you mm. know? Mm. Okay. The third thing is the rear headdress. Now, the rear headdress, nice contour, nice feel and all that, but they're just too hard. I think headdress should be softer. Headdress should be a little bit more bouncy. I think people should be able to bounce, not bounce, not actually right the word bounce, but you know, you can actually fall into a headrest and feel it, you know? Yep. So this is the only three things that I was not too happy about this vehicle. Drive dynamics, spot on, uh, handling, fuel economy. It's it's reasonably fuel efficient anyway because it's a 1.5 litre. Rotex is going to be really cheap every year, so that's no big deal. Um, if you drive it gingerly, you're not going to use a lot of fuel. If you push it, of course, you're going to drink a lot of fuel. And you know, when we drive on the scheduled test drives, we don't drive gingerly. Yeah. <laughs> All in all, fantastic. And then it comes with Honda Sensing. Now, Honda Sensing is something which now all the Honda vehicles have got. Forward collision warning, collision mitigation, lane keep assist, road departure mitigation, lane departure warning, high beam, low speed follow, and a lot more. And then the best part is when you, you, know, when you go left or right, on your right-hand side, you've got your, your, your side view mirror. On your left, you've got actually a little camera that shows up a moving picture on your center infotainment system so that you get a better view of what's on your left, you know? Cool. So instead of just having that, that mirror, you just have the screen. So again, la, the screen la, is sitting out there. 
I'm hoping Honda listens and you know incorporated in the next vehicle. <laughs> anyway, so this is what happened on our HRV 1.5 turbo V spec test drive to Kuala Terengganu, one of my favorite places to go to, east coast of Malaysia and back. Right, and I have one final question for you. The yes, HRV sir. had competitors in the Mazda CX-3. And yes. when Toyota released the Corolla Cross and they yes. said it was going to rival this HRV, this new HRV. Correct. So the direct competitor now is a newly launched Corolla Cross, you're right. If we were to make a decision between the two, can you? Two very different animals. The Corolla Cross is 1.8 normal aspirated. Mm-hmm. The price is slightly lower. This is 1.5 turbocharged. So the price is slightly more. So in terms of performance, this has got a little bit more better performance. The Corolla Cross is a nice vehicle. It's about the same size. But it's because it's more squarish. It's got a bit more room at the back. But it's not turbocharged. Judging by how well Honda has done and especially the HRV model in Malaysia, we see HRVs almost everywhere. Yes. Do you see this going to be another popular one? This is going to sell out like crazy. I think this car is going to even outsell, I dare say, the Honda City. The Honda City is much cheaper. It's doing really well. But yep. I just think that you know a lot of people are going to look at this and say, hey, I'll pay a little bit more. I'll work a little bit harder. I will eat less, you know. Because this is a middle-class car. But I've already had people calling me or messaging me, people I know who are actually in the premium market who are buying this as a third vehicle for their kids, buying it as an extra car for their, for their house. And I can see it also becoming, you know, one of those cars that, you know, even in a rich household, they just have it there, you know? Yep. It's going to do very well. Well done, Honda, in terms of design. I love the design. I just want you to work out on the center console. Mm, so there we have it. Honda HRV 1.5 liter turbo engine V-Spec, which is priced at 134,800 ringgit. They have a few other variants that are slightly cheaper by 5,000 ringgit, which is the E-Variant, 129,800. Uh, we, we didn't touch much on the EHEV version. How much different do you think that will be? Well, you know, it's, it's electrified. It's a hybrid engine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the, the electrification runs more than the, the, the battery system with the electric motor runs more than the petrol engine. The petrol engine is a, one, is a small engine, is a small petrol engine. They are selling the technology where the petrol engine works more like a generator for the battery system. You get what I mean? It, I it's a bit complicated. Right. But Honda is trying to say, listen, instead of you going to full electrification, and, you know, worrying about charging and all that. I'm going to give you a small little engine, okay, which will work quite well. And then you've got this, this, this battery system that will run everything for you. And then when it runs out of, when it runs out of juice, the, the petrol engine will sort of charge it and help you keep going along. So when you start the car, you're actually starting on the battery system. So there we have it. Daniel's review of Honda HRV 1.5 liter turbo V spec that he drove to Kuala Trunganu. And that neatly rounds up our show for this week. Thank you so much, Daniel, for being on the show. If you'd like to listen back to the program, you can catch us on the podcast, which is available on the BFM app, which you can get on either the Apple App Store or Google Play. I'm Ali Johan with Daniel Fernandez. This has been Cruise Control, BFM 89.9, the business station. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.